A special thank you, especially to our choir today, for two incredibly moving um, pieces this morning. Thank you guys for sharing your gifts. Today's scripture passage comes from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and then jumping down to verses 6 through 11. Let us listen to God's word. A twig shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 1347 was a bad year for Europe. Carried by fleas, which were carried by rats, the Black Plague, or the Black Death, or the Bubonic Plague, arrived in Europe. And over the next four years, it killed between a third and two-thirds of the population. Of the entire continent... Somewhere between one in three and two in three people died. The church at the time struggled to explain what was happening. They asked astrologers who indicated something in the orientation of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars in 1341, six years earlier. And discussions were had about divine wrath and judgment. But none of the explanations really mattered. The reality was the plague was indiscriminately striking down people from every class and station, race and religion, and no one had good answers. Which is why Pope Clement VI, on recommendation of his physicians, lived several years of his life surrounded by constantly tended bonfires. Fires roaring day and night through the heat of the summer to keep this plague from attacking the Pope. Fire, to burn any spirits or animals or anything that might try to get to him. Because they know what we know. This passage from Isaiah is absurd. When wolves live with lambs, maybe Mary had a little lamb, but she doesn't anymore. The wolf is full, and that little lamb's fleece isn't white as snow. And when leopards wander by a baby goat, there will not be goat cheese for your crackers, because that goat is lunch. Cows and bears don't graze together. Lions don't eat straw. Parents do not let children play over the holes of adders, because they are poisonous snakes. Either you get lucky... Or nature takes its course. The way of the world. Snakes bite and lions roar. The weak get eaten. The strong take what they want. So you're either a taker or you need to protect yourself. Build the fire around you because peace isn't natural. Peace 
doesn't just happen. Things don't just work out. Things don't just get fixed. Diseases don't wait their turn. In Syria, bombs don't dodge children. Peace is not natural. So the Pope, who believed in God and knew the Scriptures, who prayed and fasted and worshipped and served, but also knew what we know, that peace is not natural, he built himself a ring of fire to live in. Because there might be peace on God's holy mountain, but that isn't here. That's somewhere else. Here, here, if you want to make it, if you want peace, you have to build it like the Pope did. We have to build a wall of fire that can keep us safe from the lions and the wolves and the adders. Peace has to come from somewhere else, from someone else, because it's not natural. Violence is natural. Peace is built. It's delivered. It's one of the most important things in life, figuring out how to get some safety, some peace. And this biblical promise of peace, it's bigger than just an absence of violence. It's bigger than that. The promise of peace is about wholeness. It's about needs being met. Wholeness. Peace. So, we're smart like the Pope, and we build our rings of fire and look for someone to deliver the things that we need. If I could have Maddie come up for a second. Take, for instance, food, which does not simply appear in the pantry. Clothes, which don't just appear in your closet. You can grow and cook and sew them all yourself, but who has time for that or the skills? Imagine the amount of stress. No, you need a delivery of clothes and of food. So more than likely, you do what we do. You buy some peace. And now you have some food and some clothes, and with it, you've bought yourself at least a little bit of peace for now. But there are some things that cost a little bit too much. Things we need, like shelter. You want to own a house, you don't have the full cost just sitting in your bank account. You can wait, save forever and ever and for many years and buy a house cash, or you can look for a delivery of funds. <laughs> we call it a mortgage. Someone in the moment to lend you some peace. So now you have clothes and you have food and you have a house and with those things you start to create this life of peace. But imagine with me that your neighbor wants your food or your car or your house and he is stronger and bigger than you are. What's to stop him from just taking it? And right there you have a very crude theory for why we have governments. Governments to deliver peace. From monarchies to democracies, governments are core to civilization. We look to them for peace, to manage our selfish desires, to keep us from taking advantage of each other, which is good. God ordains governments with the power of the sword because peace is not natural, and God knows that. 
we aren't angels. And some days we aren't even good. So governments are put into power to keep the peace through violence only when necessary. An imperfect solution, but necessary. But still, governments have limits. The government can control some of the violence, keep us from being invaded or stealing each other's cars, but a government cannot stop you from getting sick or from a tornado. It's not just people that are violent. Peace isn't natural. The world is violent, nature. So we turn to science and to medicine to deliver some peace. And we know way more now than just surrounding ourselves with burning fires, penicillin, eating regiments, chemo, predicting weather patterns, analyzing genetic markers, which is good. It brings a sense of peace. But it hits a limit. There is a violence, a disruption, an incompleteness that is inside of us, a longing, a desire, discontent. Our souls are not at peace, so we look to anything else to fill the void as we look to stuff to deliver us the peace that we so desire. What's in the basket? I don't know. For all of us, it's different. It doesn't really matter what's in the basket. It's a car or a boat or a phone or the right pair of shoes or a toy. And the stuff is not inherently bad. The stuff can be good. It brings memories and laughter and joy. But peace, wholeness, it can't do that. So when the stuff can't do that, we look to the people around us. We look to the people hoping they will deliver peace. Hoping they will deliver peace. Are you trying to get Griffin on the zip line? (laughs) I think we've got the idea. Let's not have Griffin come down the zip line. We look to people to deliver peace, to make us complete, to make us whole, and to make us happy. But people let us down. We're looking for something to deliver peace. Someone to deliver peace. But it doesn't come. The violence, the incompleteness, it just won't go away. So we do what we can. We keep those lines open to the places that deliver partial peace. And we try to puzzle it together. I feel valued by these people. And these people pay me. And I get joy from here. And I make an impact over there. And we piece it all together until we can have some sort of semblance of peace. So where does the church fit into all of this? We can encourage people to be good, to not rob each other, to use nice words. We can encourage people to be peaceful, but are we even that good at it? So usually, we talk about one day. A peace one day, a holy mountain somewhere over there, over a rainbow just beyond the river bend. But those are promises made by the Wizard of Oz and Pocahontas. And those are not enough. So if all we can do is point to a holy mountain somewhere over the rainbow just beyond the river bend that holds peace, we should expect people to treat us like a movie, to listen, 
while we're interesting, then move on to things that actually matter, that actually bring peace. People don't need a peace that is somewhere. They don't need a peace that is someday. A vague assurance will not help. We've got things wrong. Things are broken. Things are breaking. There are lions and wolves and bill collectors and dementia and death and stress. Vague assurances are no longer enough. The world does not need more people who are looking for peace. It needs people who have found it. The world does not need more people looking for peace. It needs people who have found it. So, in response to all that, to the hopelessness, the resignation, in response to bombs killing children in Syria and homes falling apart, to hospitals that are full and cemeteries that are falling, in response to that gnawing emptiness inside of you, you would expect an incredible response from God, angelic armies, manna from heaven, something that matches the scope of the violence and brokenness and emptiness in the world. And instead, instead, we get this. It's absurd. It's ridiculous, almost offensive, a baby to bring peace, a baby to stop the bombs and empty the hospitals and fill the voids and heal our homes, a baby? We deal with all of this trying to piece together some semblance of peace, which after the bills and the mortgage and the taxes and the medicines and counseling and friends and family and stuff, peace through a baby doesn't seem like enough. Doesn't God know how expensive peace is? Doesn't God know how hard you have to work for it? Doesn't God know that peace is something we buy? It's something we fight for. It's something we seek with desperation and fear and trepidation. Doesn't God know? Doesn't God know? He does. He does know. God knows the cost of peace better than anyone. It cost him his son, the one whom he loved. It cost God his son to deliver peace on earth. You see, he sent his son into the wolves and the lions and the bears. He sent his son to us. I read this passage in Isaiah and it feels absurd. When is the last time you were attacked by a bear, or a lion, or a wolf, or a leopard? No, in the world we live in, frankly, we are the monsters. People. For honest, we know that we bring the violence, we prey on the weak, we neglect, we blame, in our desperation to get our peace, my peace, we lift ourselves by pushing others down. We are the monsters. We roar and bite and kick and take and demand. You see, peace 
isn't in the government or the medicine or the stuff under the tree. Peace is in the transformation of monsters to disciples. Peace is the lion that eats straw and the wolf that lives with the lamb. Eventually, Pope Clement VI couldn't stand that his people were suffering such a horrible disease. So he left the ring of fire. People begged him, begged him to stay safe, surrounded by the fires, to burn away anything that could possibly infect him, but he refused. Because he knows what God knows. Peace is not built by human hands. It is not bought. Peace isn't determined by what's happening to us. Peace is not perfect health. It is not the right family or the right status in life. Peace isn't over the rainbow or just beyond the river bend. Peace is in Christ and Christ alone. The Pope found peace, but it wasn't protected by fire. He found peace in comforting the dying because that's where Christ was. Peace might seem impossible, unlikely. Our world is too violent for peace. People are too selfish for peace. Love is too frail for peace. Peace is unnatural. Unless God changes our nature. Unless God changes our nature. We are the monsters. We roar and bite and kick and take and demand. But the good news is that God has sent His Son delivering peace. And if we follow Jesus the Christ, the wolf among us will live with the lamb. The lion in us will eat straw. Our children will play and we will not be afraid of the adders. If we follow Christ, we will be a people of peace. Of peace. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you would change the monster that is inside of each of us. Lord, that you would transform us. That you would transform us into the goodness that you created us to be. That through you we would help those who need it. That we would meet needs. That we would be your hands and feet in a world that needs help. Lord, that we would proclaim your gospel message to anybody who will listen. Lord, transform us that we, your church, might be a people of peace. In your holy name we pray. Amen.